Hey Thriver, welcome to the Career Thrivers Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. This is your arena where authenticity meets ambition, your career path is championed, your leadership journey is supported, and I'm going to encourage you to speak up even when your voice shakes. I'm your host, Brittany N. Cole, here to guide you through owning your power, your narrative, your impact, and increasing your income. Throughout the show on each episode, you'll hear from some incredible leaders who are going to inspire, challenge, and transform your thinking. We'll discuss what authentic leadership really means, diving into conversations that defy conventions and celebrate your true self. Whether you're making strides in the corporate boardroom or breaking ground on your own ventures, this is your platform for growth, reflection, and breakthrough. I'm so glad you're here. Let's thrive together. Okay, so Daddy, let's start with... I have so many questions I want to ask. But first, okay, let's start with your your first job. Tell us about your first job and how you heard about it, if you remember. Uh, my re- a real job, not like one uh, after school job or something like that. Tell us both. What's the first job that you remember? First like, when job. You think of your first, the first job. job. The first job I ever had was I was I was uh, employed, self-employed. Our father bought us. Gave us money. He didn't give us money. He told us that we could borrow some money from him to buy us a lawnmower to cut grass during the summertime. And so that's what me and my brother Joseph did. We borrowed the money from him. Now he said to us, now if you pay me back, then whenever you need something, I'll let you have the money to get it. That was that was the deal. And we told him, okay. And so every uh, week we would cut grass, we would save the money, we would pay him back for the lawnmower that he bought for us. And whenever we needed something, he would always, we didn't have nothing to worry about, as long as we had a good account with him, what we call payback. And that taught us a lesson, it taught me a lesson, it taught me to be on time, and it taught me to uh, keep a, a good record, so uh, even in life, it brought me to having a good credit rating mm-hmm. you know, because he taught us how to pay back. He just didn't give it. Say, I'm going to get you a lawnmower here. Take it and go with it. No, I'll get you a lawnmower. We didn't have any money, but you got to pay me back. Mm-hmm. And I think that was one of his object lessons that he taught us and trained us how to pay people back. Because a lot of times, even in this life, sometimes people borrow money from you and they keep going. Mm-hmm. They don't even think about paying back. But... I can remember if I get a penny or a dime from somebody, hey man, let me borrow a quarter. I would always be sure to, hey, he's this quarter you borrowed, I borrowed from you. I tried to pay it pay back because it's just in me. It's just it's instilled in me mm-hmm. uh, to be that way. What yeah. what did do you remember how much the lawnmower was like? Oh man, that was back. That was back in the '60s, and that lawnmower at the time couldn't have been any more than eighty-nine dollars or ninety dollars. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a lot of money, but it was a lot of money back then. Did it take y'all the whole summer to like? Oh no, no, we paid it back. No, it didn't take us all summer. Mm -hmm. We just about finished up uh, school uh, the summer with with uh, with paying them back. But then when we we went back to school, then one thing is for sure we had money. We saved our money, so a lot of times when we go to the lunchroom, we could buy what we want Mm because we had money to do it. It what, was a, what did it was he, a blessing. Um, it was a blessing. What did he do for work? What he, my father. Yeah. What did my granddad do for work? He he pastored a church, the mm-hmm. same church I pastored. Uh, Full time for over thirty. Yeah, 
full time. He, he passed the church time. and he had a supermarket. He had a store, oh, a right, little, right, right. Uh, you know, a little tin and, tin and dime store that he would buy uh, and fill up with different things that kids would like to eat candy and mm -hmm. chips, cold drinks, uh, all those kinds of things that was appealing to a child. And he had some things in there that was appealing to adults, you mm -hmm. know, like maybe milk or maybe oatmeal or whatever he had. But he had a little old supermarket uh, that he ran during the week and he passed it on the weekend. Did y'all ever work the supermarket, like help him keep it well, going? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't that large of a store, so we didn't do that. We mm -hmm. didn't keep it. He kept it for himself. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I never, like, I remember people at church talking about the supermarket and, like, you taking us by there, but I don't yeah. think I've ever really associated, like, my entrepreneurial, like, aspirations, even, like, talking to Brian about, you know, having aspirations to, like, get into real estate or whatever with, like, our grandparents being yeah. entrepreneurial. Yeah. Yeah, he had a little five and dime, a little five and dime store. And it was right across the street from the school, at elementary mm -hmm. school. And the kids get out of elementary school and they run right over to the store. And he would have to sometimes stand at the door and let a certain amount in so he could take home. Because uh -huh. sometimes you get a crowd of people in there, kids gonna be kids and what they would do. They put Still. the gun in, in their pocket, <laughs> carrying the tissue in their pocket. So it got to a point where he would only let a certain amount in the store. Mm -hmm. And then after they're in, he would close the door, wait on them. They would go out, and he would let some more in. What did What did y'all do with the store? Like, what happened to the store? It's still the property. It's still there, but we wasn't doing anything with it. Mm -hmm. We're paying taxes on it, and so we sold it to somebody else that we thought may could use it and do mm -hmm. something with it. Mm -hmm. But we don't own the store anymore, so. Yeah. So cutting grass, and then what's your first? like memory of a first job where you either had to like clock in or, you know, like you worked for a company? Uh, my first job where I walked, uh, worked for a company, was one of the first jobs was Purity Dairies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I used to work for Purity Dairies, uh, uh, 69, 69 and 70. Mm -hmm. It was probably one of my first jobs after high school where you have to clock in. But it was also a good a good job also. And uh, I worked part-time in the cooler, which was real cold in there. And uh, I did some sanitation work. And it was back in the day, you know, uh, like I say, uh, in the 69, 70, 71, in that era, that race relation wasn't real good. And so this is the truth. I was one of the first black men. And my job was this. I had a I had one milk route. <laughs> I had one milk route. And my milk route was at TSU, mm -hmm. taking a load of milk to them every day and picking up the returns. I would take a milk, orange juice, uh, whatever, milk, whatever they needed. I would deliver it to them, get all the old containers and bring them back. That was my job every day around 1 to 1.30. I had a milk route. Mm. And the containers, because, I mean, it wasn't like today where people just throw away the containers like glass or something? Uh, they or? had mostly bottles. 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 Okay. okay. It was bottles. So you had to pick them up, and then y'all would, like, reuse? Bottles. The same? Put, it was, they would, yeah, they would take them back, and they okay. would sterilize them. 
Mm-hmm. They fill them up. And they fill them yeah. up. Yeah. Get sterilized. So how did you, so fill in the gap between like purity to then you graduated from ABC. So you were called to pastor and then you went to ABC. Right. I went to the American Baptist College in 1980. Mm-hmm. And I Finished in 1984. Did you start that before you met mom? or I met your mother right about the same time as I was going to school. Oh, so yeah. you were already called to yeah. preach when y'all yeah, met. I was already called to preach when I met LaBrenda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember that. And one of the first places we met, was at a club. That's what I was gonna say. So yeah, I remember her telling me y'all met at. Okay, yeah. so I it was, I a, it was a nice place. It was a it was a nice club at the time. It was in Hundred Oaks that we mm-hmm. met. I can't recall the name of it, but we met there, and she was there just trying to find something to do, and I was trying to find something to do also. We just out, just out having fun, and I just happened to meet her, and she gazed upon me. I gazed upon her as she was standing there, and then. Uh, I got up a nerd, the first nerd went over there and asked her to dance. And then when I asked her to dance, we got to talking. And from that point on, it was history. We so y'all was other. at the club, the, yeah. the, the, new, yeah. the new preacher yeah. and the new sales yeah. lady. Yeah. Was she working at Blue Cross Blue Shield at the time? She was, uh, she was working at IBM. Oh, IBM. Okay. Yeah, she was working at IBM. And what's so unique about it, one, one of the things that she, was, that she sold and uh, everybody was just really gravitating toward that, was the electric typewriter. Really? The electric typewriter. That was the thing back then. That's what she was selling. That's what she was selling, electric typewriter. And that's what brought her from Charleston to Nashville, right? Uh, she Yeah, yeah, IBM. Mm-hmm. Yep, IBM brought her from, in, from there to here. And was this like, so were y'all at the club? Well, you probably don't remember the day of the week, but I feel like I remember her telling me, like she went after work. So it was maybe like, I guess in our day, we would think of it as like a happy hour kind of like situation. So yeah, she was like, yeah, it wasn't yeah. a club like nighttime. Yeah. She was like, it was more like, you know, late afternoon, yeah, early it, evening. It was in the afternoon. It was. It was. And so, like I said, we just met each other and we enjoyed each other and we communicated. And then, you know, I, I started just calling her up on the phone and we started having conversations. And then I went to her house and uh, I met her. I met her at her apartment because she had an apartment at the time. Yeah, she had an apartment at the time. And at the time she met me, where was I at? I was still at home. Really? But she had, but she had, Wait, you were still living? I with, was still at home. With your mama? Long, yeah. <laughs> with I my granny? I went back. Yeah. I was at home with my Oh, mom. because you went back to school. Yeah. And I yeah. went back. And I lived with mom for a little while. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we got married. Yeah, we got married in November uh, November 29th, 1980. And mm-hmm. so we got married. Uh, so to me going out, getting another apartment, uh, staying at home, I just moved in with her. Mm-hmm. And from that point uh, in 1980, we decided to save some money. We saved, we saved $5,000 and bought our first house. Wow. $5,000, wow. we paid $5,000 down on it. That was a down payment. That was a down payment. What was, so this is, so you're a Nashville native. I'm obviously a Nashville right. native. 
what at that time was the um do you remember like what the house cost uh that house we paid sixty seven thousand wow sixty seven thousand and I was paying for a house note six hundred dollars a month, and I couldn't sleep because <laughs> I thought that it was a lot of money. And I just would get up sometime. I would wake up thinking about it, and I couldn't go back to sleep at night. I said, and, and I would look out the window and ask myself, what am I doing here? $600 a month. I said, I wonder if I can handle it, I can pay it. But, I mean, yeah, I did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I did. That house was like sixty-six, maybe $67,000. Wow. You can't even buy a house for that now, can you? You can't buy nothing. Yeah. You can't buy a it plot of land for that in Nashville today. $67,000. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm sure but the you, people listening. But you wasn't making a lot of money either, though, you know. But we did. Were you, we st did. were you still at, you had already graduated I had by graduated that time, right? from, yeah, from the American Baptist College at mm -hmm. that time. Yeah, I had finished. And I had so many jobs. And one of my last jobs was at Oscar Myers. I worked at Oscar Myers for a time, uh, one of the last jobs. And I was so frustrated with it. I asked God to help me with the job. And what what was frustrating you at Oscar Myers? You remember? Well, you would work, you'd make good money, but then you would get laid off in the fall because they wouldn't have work for you to do. Oh. Because Oscar Myers sold a lot of meat for kids. They sold sandwich meat, hot dogs, and all those kinds of things. Well, mm -hmm. when everybody went back to school and it got cold, it wasn't a lot of uh, selling going mm -hmm. on because it was, you know, back in school now. And then any, and then Oscar Myers would lay you off for a mm -hmm. spell. And then they would call you back, you know, mm -hmm. in the springtime. Mm -hmm. And so eventually... I prayed and God delivered me from that, uh, that I was able to find me a steady job mm -hmm. every day, some job that didn't lay me off. And that, and as you know, that was at, that yes. was with the Nashville Electric Service. I mm -hmm. stayed there with them for 31 years until mm -hmm. I retired from that. Mm -hmm. And so I never had to worry about, I didn't worry about being laid off anymore, mm -hmm. you know, not having a job. And so, you know, all those things, just seemed to work out, you know, one step at a time, you know, mm -hmm. and I just look at it as though it was all in God's plan, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm here today because of that, because of the goodness of God, not because of anything I've done, but God have allowed me to live my life, uh, to have what I have and to see what I've seen. And I've raised you, you know, Brian and Troy, mm -hmm. I raised some marvelous, outstanding kids. Again, I give all the praise to the Lord. I guess this is going to be the spiritual side of your program, isn't it? Because that's what no, I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, you you talking about but, what you yeah, what you believe. That's yeah, what we're talking about I, on I, here. I, you know, I, I believe God has been so good to me that he gave me uh, three children, you know, three, two boys and a girl that I've never had to worry about. They've always were smart, always done what was right. Uh, none of them. Uh, had never been an alcoholic. No one has ever been on drugs of any kind. No one has ever been in prison of any kind. Have you heard of that? All three of them have come up in a respectful way that God would bless and God would appreciate and the people in this world would appreciate because they have such people 
as you and uh, my other two sons mm -hmm. to be role models in the world. You know, they take care of their family. My uh, both of them got got them up. My oldest son, his daughter's first year of going to college. You know, mm -hmm. that's something to be proud of. My Alex, you know? shout yeah. out to Alex. Alex She's yeah. a freshman at Alabama A&M. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful child, mm -hmm. smart. You know, and very industrious. You know, she had a business. He well, in well, that's why I was asking you about Granddaddy in the in the store because, yeah. like. I don't know that I have ever really con made that connection to like, even when I was at Pfizer, I feel like I've always kind of had this sense of like, I want to do something that's yeah. mine yeah. that I own. And then yeah. Alex has that like braiding hair in high yeah. school, high, you know, high school. Yeah. So, so, and some people say that like, is it, is it genetic or, but yeah. I do think you sometimes have a, yeah. have a predisposition to like certain things that you don't realize are like in your lineage. Yeah, you don't know it, but, but mm -hmm. my father was, he never worked. He never worked for anybody, uh, but for himself. And uh, as he passed it to church, mm -hmm. you know, but but he we, he passed it to church first because that was his first love, uh, mm -hmm. because God called him, you know, the pastor like he did me. And he was faithful to the church. He was so faithful and he would do he, he wouldn't do anything to shat, to cast a dark shadow uh, upon his life where it would cause him to be stagnated in his past, in his pastoring. Mm -hmm. And so the people really admired him and loved him because he carried himself in such a wise and wonderful way mm -hmm. un until he died, mm -hmm. until he died, he was, he was that way. Yeah. This season of the Career Thrivers show was recorded inside of A.B. Hillsborough Village. In the rhythm of Nashville, A.B. dances to a tune of inclusion and community. Curated by Nashville's own Marcy and Derek, this premier live music and event venue harmonizes local flair with a very welcoming spirit. It's more than a space. It's where Nashville's diverse heartbeat is celebrated, making every event an inclusive masterpiece. Learn more about A.B. at ansieblue.com over 30 years working at NES while you were pastoring. And I think sometimes people like see those dual roles as either or, but you were doing both of them. So as a pastor, also pastoring for 30 plus years, what would you say pastoring people taught you about leading and leadership? Um, <clears throat> what it taught me about people is that we all imperfect for one thing you know mm -hmm. uh, none of us are perfect and I, and, I, and I think that's where i got that saying the biggest room in our house uh the biggest room in the world is the room for improvement because mm -hmm. nobody is perfect we always striving to be better we always striving to do better and so once we continue on that road that we know leads to a better place than we are we are more encouraged and inspired and juvenated to stay on the straight in the narrow path. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's all about, staying on that straight in that narrow path. And I'm, I'm a Christian from my heart. And, uh, you know, Jesus says, wide is the gate and broad is the way that lead to destruction. And many is on that road. Mm -hmm. Many is on it today, but few there be. And now is the way that leads to eternal life. And one of the things we believe as a Christian, this life mm -hmm. is okay, but this life is not it. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. what if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? I, I, you know, we just had a cousin just pass, mm -hmm. uh, D. Witt Johnson, 
he died in the church on the piano, playing mm -hmm. for the Lord, singing mm -hmm. in the choir. He did, and he didn't mind it at all, but it just shows the dedication of his life. He didn't steer off the path. He didn't get off and go back on, get off and go back on. Mm -hmm. He stayed mm -hmm. because he knew God was real, and he knew that God had a better place and a better life for him that none in this world can compare. Mm -hmm. Because what if you gain this whole world and lose your soul? What shall you profit? Is there anything really to profit in this world in which we live? If we don't strive for those things which we know are more valuable than anything this world has to offer? Yeah. So, yeah. So, mm -hmm. you know, and not, and not only that, but and not only that, and, and I think why you made it well, my sons made it well, I made it well, we believe that the word, again, tells us no good thing will I withhold from you if you walk upright. He didn't, and then he, the Bible is just true. He didn't promise us. He didn't, he didn't promise us that the road would be easy. He didn't promise us that we wouldn't, what, fall down. Mm -hmm. You know, and that way I look at it, every Christian, every Christian has a past, but every sinner has a future. Mm -hmm. So that leaves no room for us to talk about anybody, yeah. because if you want to look at me, if I'm so elated and if I'm so uh, diamond glossed, then look at me long enough and you'll see You'll see my fall. You mm -hmm. see where you see where I come from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You see where I come from. <laughs> but you know, if you're a sinner, you come into the Lord. You gotta look at where you're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think people, regardless of their belief, like specifically, all have that internal sense of like purpose like whatever it is that you decide to do for work whether you're a pastor or whether you're the president of a corporation like there has to be something that's bigger than the money something that's yeah. bigger than the title that you're in yeah. like there has to be a bigger mission and calling and purpose to what you get up every day and do because you spend too much time doing it yeah like yeah. even if you yeah. are nine to five yeah. most people nowadays work more than 40 hours a week so even like the naming of, of uh this company has someone asked me the other day while when we were doing this recording, where did career thrivers come from? And it's like, one, obviously the Lord, but also like just sitting down and thinking like, if we spend as, as people, the vast majority of our Monday through Friday, uh -huh. daylight, best time of the day hours at work, like you shouldn't be in a place where, like you were saying, Oscar Mayer, you're frustrated or you feel overlooked or burnt out. Like you should be in a place where you're thriving. Yeah. So just like yes. we think about, you know, church or ministry or family or serving and you have this feeling of joy and fulfillment, like the question in my mind is always like, well, what would it be like or what could a business be like if everybody in the company felt like they were thriving, if everyone felt like there was a bigger purpose that they were after right. by being connected to the organization. So I think we all have that. And the way that we get there really is through leaders. So I, I appreciate you saying that because I often share, like people often hear me say, and I quote you, <laughs> you know, that, that line that you told uh, Brian Troy and I that the biggest room in our house was the room for improvement. I feel mm -hmm. like you, you've always like had these um, sayings that stuck with me, another one uh, that comes to mind. <laughs> When I went off to college, you would always say, probably almost every time we got off the phone, don't let college keep you from getting an education. 
Yeah, true. Yeah. Like, yeah. you're going to come with yeah. a saying yeah. or, you know, an acronym, yeah. a lesson, something that's going to help me remember, like, yeah. okay, this, this is what you need to be working on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, and, and as Christians, you know, we need to be setting that example for others to look up on, you know, and they, and they uh, look at us, uh, our life, you see, our life has, and I don't, I don't remember this, but I always would tell you and Brian and Brittany, I would tell you Troy. that in Troy that um, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Uh, that's what I would say. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You know, I said, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be an example. I'm going to show you what to do. And I would say, oh, then if you would see me do it, it's all right to do it. And if you don't see me do it, then don't you do it. I would make myself that example. Mama used to not like when you would say that, yeah. too. Because yeah. she'd be like, okay, yeah. but what if? And you'd be like, nope. If they see me do it, yeah. then they can they do can it. They can do it. If they don't see me do it, don't do it. If you see me, if you see me drinking a, a, a bottle of beer... Then I ain't got. I can't say nothing to you. I can't say one thing and teach another. Mm-hmm. You know, if you see me drink the beer, then hey, Daddy says it's all right because Daddy drinking the beer. <laughs> yeah. But I would try always to be that that shining example, and and I always would have to be mindful of myself that I don't want to exalt myself higher than God. So if I'm doing this, I'm doing it because of God, not because of me. And if I'm doing this, I don't want Kenneth to get the credit, but I want God to get the credit. Mm-hmm. Because I'll pass away, but God won't pass away. And he would still be expecting those examples and yeah. that living example that you were getting while I was here. Because I would always point to him in mm-hmm. my life. And that's what I'm still trying to do. Mm-hmm. But the biggest room in, in that house, you know. <laughs> Is improvement. improvement. And, I, and I'm still that way. And that's all the way to the cross. I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm going to be quiet. You know, it's like the lady who was caught in adultery. The lady was caught in adultery. And they, and they were stoning her. And, and, and the scribes and Pharisees says, the law says she must be stoned. And then Christ said, okay, if you without sin, cast the first stone. Okay. All of a sudden, everybody felt the shame of their own guilt and dropped the stones and walked away. And Jesus said, where is thine accusers? And she says, there is none. There is is none. And then Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. And then he would say to her, "Uh, uh, go, go and do what? And sin no more. Mm -hmm. So the question was asked, do you think she sinned again? The question is, sure she did. Mm -hmm. But her motive is different now. Her motive is try not to sin. Mm-hmm. Every day you get up, you try not to mm-hmm. sin. Mm-hmm. You know, because she was getting up before, maybe she was looking for sin or didn't mind sin or was in it, involved in it. But now her goal, her challenge is this, keep away from me sin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking for it anymore. Yep. I'm through with it. You know, yeah. but she may have fallen down, but she wasn't trying to anymore. And that's the way life feels. You not perfect, mm-hmm. you know, but at least I'm trying striving not for to. Perfection. I'm try, striving <laughs> hard to be different for the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's where we are in our lives a lot of times. You know, we have to be on one side or the other. We on the physical side or spiritual side. 
And when you become a Christian now, you live in the spirit and you walk in the spirit. You are mindful of things of the spirit. And so you walk that way now. I'm, I'm walking a spiritual walk. I'm mindful of people. I want to help them where I can. I want to be in a good example where I can. You know, I want to forgive where I can. I, I want to be thankful where I can. You know, I, I want to I want to be successful and triumphant. And, and in my uh, uh, rise, I don't want to be selfish. If I can help somebody, I want to help somebody along the way. I want to do all that I can to be the best Christian that I can so I can leave a legacy that would point upward. Hey Thriver, I'm excited for you to get your hands on your copy of The Blueprint to More Visibility and Influence. This is a powerful free resource that's designed to catapult your influence and amplify your impact in your business or company. Now, this isn't just another online guide. This is your strategic companion that's gonna walk you through the world of personal branding and authentic leadership. Inside, you'll unlock essential strategies that are gonna help you do a few things. One, sharpen your self-awareness and own your unique story, navigate the complexities of workplace dynamics with more confidence, elevate your presence in any room and ensure that you are not only seen, but also heard and valued. Why wait for opportunities when you can create them? With this blueprint, you'll learn how to cultivate a personal brand that commands respect and opens the door for new opportunities. And the best part, you'll start seeing the world differently, not just as a place where you fit in, but one where you stand out. You'll transform your self-doubt into more self-assurance and turn your aspirations into to tangible achievements. So join me in our community of thrivers who are making their mark. Don't let this moment pass you by. Head on over to letsthrivetogether.com to download your free copy of The Blueprint to More Visibility and Influence today. Start your journey and let's thrive together. So what would you say for people who are saying, yeah, I want to, like, that's my goal. I'm striving for that. And that might involve for them coming into a role where they're leading people, where either they have direct reports or they have, you know, it might be a body of people like with you with the, at the church who are looking to them for direction, looking uh-huh. to them for guidance, looking to them to make decisions on their behalf. What advice would you share for aspiring leaders? Uh, for aspiring leaders, I would say, you know, uh, to be the best leader that you can be. Uh and it takes a lot of sacrifice mm-hmm. for you to be that leader. It takes a lot of denial for you to be the leader that God is calling you to be. And so when we have those big challenges, a big responsibility, then it calls for us to pray more. Mm-hmm. God help me, I stand in your need that I may give you the glory in my life and that I may be a good person, a good example that I would cause no one to stumble. Mm -hmm. I don't want no one to stumble over me. And I want my life, the life I live, I want the life I live to speak for me. No Mm -hmm. doubt about it. Mm -hmm. Who I am. Mm -hmm. Because God has been good to me. Now, you don't want me to show God sometime, but I can't help it because that's what's in. It's going to come out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's the spirit. That's, mm-hmm. that's the spirit of flowing. That's the what spirit. did you mean by denial? Because I think 
for many people that might be listening when it comes to leadership, like, I think sometimes we get into this mindset of like, I want to be the leader because I want to be the one making the decisions. Yeah. But we don't recognize that like there is a high cost to being that person that's responsible for making those final decisions. And once you, what you realize, I think when you're in the, in those roles is that it's much less about you. Right. Like you're in right. the position of the leader to serve the people, which means you are oftentimes denying yourself what you would prefer or what might be more convenient for the sake of the people that you're leading. Yeah. For the people that you're leading, they have to have, faith and trust in you to know that you love them, mm -hmm. that you can be, that you can be trusted. How do you build that? So let's say, let's take this example for a second, daddy. So let's say like similar to recent experience that you've had, but let's just say, for example, there've been people that have been led by a certain leader. Yeah. The leader moves on. Right. A new leader comes, comes in. in. How does that leader build trust with those new with those people being the new leader you have to that comes with time and that comes with uh with the commitment and understanding that you can't rush in and change things mm -hmm. you if you're a new leader there's a way to there's a technique that you have to do it to allow them to trust you now the people won't trust you in just a little while. Oh, this is my pastor. This is my pastor. They won't trust you as their pastor until they get to know you mm -hmm. on a personal basis. They get to know what's on the inside of your heart. Mm -hmm. And it has to be demonstrated. Yeah. It has to be seen. And with the time that you put into them, you showing them and you patient with them, you praying for them. You've given them, then they'll start forgetting the old leader and start taking on the new leader because they find something in him also that they can or trust her. and love. <laughs> I said, or her. Or uh, her. Yeah. yeah, yeah, don't, yeah, yeah, her. Either one. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that, that is an important lesson because I think yeah. you do sometimes, especially if, and I think this is, more the case as we wrap up like if you are a person that's in the group that yeah. becomes the leader so a lot of times in organizations like the leader someone within the same team will get promoted to lead that team right so you've been there the entire time that the right. former leader was there and sometimes you can find yourself like stacking up a list of things that you think should be different like we should change this we should do change this different it. we right, should do right, that different right, right. and then when you get into the role sometimes as a new leader you can't rush too fast to rush. like make all these changes fast to make changes mm -hmm. that sometimes it's unnecessary and don't need change, but you allow them. They can, you know, people say, I, I heard them say, you can boil a frog if the water is real, if the water start off warm mm -hmm. and you did cut it up a degree every time, he'll mm -hmm. sit there and won't jump out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but if he jump off in some hot water, yeah. he gonna jump out. And so a pastor has to have that kind of understanding because if you've been there 10 to 15 years, the people trust you, the people know you, and you coming in for your first year, you gotta come in meek and humble, mm -hmm. you know, to get the people's confidence and trust in you. Yeah, yeah, I had a, um, a former manager that would tell me that, um, People don't, and I think he got it from somebody, but people don't, oh gosh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a mess it up. 
people don't care how much oh, you yeah. know until how, they know how much, how much they care. care. That's what it is. Yep, that's, that's what it exactly is. what it is. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, people last question, care. Daddy. We done. Okay. What does thriving it. mean to you? Thriving means to me. <sighs> to me, it's making a sacrifice. Because to me, you can't be going in a lot of places at the same time or at different times. You have to have a focus. Mm. And when you're thriving on something, you put your focus there and you put your commitment and you're dedicated to it to, to be the best person that you can be, to mm -hmm. thrive. And, and I, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. And then, um, and then we're going to wrap up. Yeah, we got to wrap up. But thriving to me is this. Uh, I think it's two things. And this is how, and this is what comes to my mind. Because as I was working for the light company, I was working for the light company, and I used to be a service runner. So I would have to go out and see what's wrong with the vehicle to get it back up and get it running again. Because now they all standing around looking at me because mm -hmm. they can't do nothing. <laughs> it's on him because so he ain't you. doing his job. But I did on, on certain cases, in most cases, I did do my job. But as I would sit there to examine to make sure everything is all right. I would look at those people. I would look at those men, those group of men. They was working. They was working trying to get lights prepared, lights back on. And I noticed they were doing two things. They was climbing. At mm -hmm. a bed around and they would climb. And then I look again, I see some men digging. They got what they call a Oh, uh, I forget that thing that goes down into the uh, earth auger. Earth auger. And it quines down in the ground and pulls the dirt out. But the men around it, after the earth auger come up, would have to still dig mm. the dirt out of the hole. Mm -hmm. So I looked at those two things, and I thought about those two things in life. And I took them to say, life involves mm. not only climbing, but also digging. You got to dig and you got to climb mm -hmm. to make it to the top of where God wants you to be. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. The, the master the ma on, on leadership, where I get all my gems from. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. All righty. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be a part of this process. <laughs> and man, and this glad is a, it's over. This is a great show. Call me back. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Career Thrivers Show. I hope that you took as much from that episode as I did to not only be inspired, but to actually move towards action. And I want to help you do that. So be sure that you head on over to careerthrivers.com forward slash podcast and download our Thrivers Guide to take your career and leadership to the next level. Share this episode with a friend or a colleague, subscribe, rate and review. And I cannot wait to see you inside the next episode.